Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. Welcome to the Morning Beat. We're so glad you're here with us as I adjust my mic. It's hanging kind of funny today, Justin. I don't know what's going on with it. I'm your host, AJ, here with my girl, Michaela Gordon. Hey, Looks like honey. Listing a little off to the left. Listen, Justin, never. How are we doing, Michaela? Amen, honey. How are we doing in your answers? Amen. Amen, honey. Because listen, you know what this means? We've got like four hours and then we're raging on vacation. Well, we have a show tomorrow still. And then we have Thursday. We're going on vacation. I know, but also like time means nothing to me. So like (laughs) I could literally be on vacation right now. You guys don't understand. I lived a life where I never took vacation. Never. Then last year, AJ was like, you can't be a workhorse, Michaela. It's a good time to rest. Now we're taking vacation on Thursday, and I'm ready. So this week, I'm just here for our for our listeners, and then I'm out. <laughs> and then you're just out. Then I'm out of here. Well, while we're here, let's do the best that we can, shall uh, we? Of course, yes. Richard Branson flew to space, uh, and he also wore a pride flag while he did it. Why? We're going to discuss that in just a little bit, because yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious to know your thoughts on this. He's, uh, listen, billionaires with a lot of money and a lot of time on their hands. Well, it's, it's weird. fascinating. Well, it's weird. Eh. It's weird to me, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay. But it's weird. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. All right. Just a random pride pins flying yeah. to space. <laughs> so I know you made some plans for uh, for your, your vacation time next week. Yeah. Really exciting. You're going to Santa Barbara. We're going to Santa Barbara. So Lisa went to college at UC, uh, CSB. And she's been wanting me to go forever. She played soccer there. She had a soccer scholarship. Um, and she loves it. So she's been wanting me to go and experience it. So we have a night. <clears throat> we have two nights. We're going to go to the Santa Barbara Zoo. We're going to go to the beach. And thankfully, we're going to that beach because we planned on going to beach to the beach all this week. But there's been like a raw sewage dump. Yeah, in Santa Monica. Yeah. yeah more... I finally want to go to the beach after 15 years. And there's a raw sewage and dump. And now, now that, that definitely tracks. I understand her wanting to take you to her college, though. I remember the first time I took a meal home to uh, the Ohio State University. Yeah. And we walked around campus. We happened to take a red eye in. So we got into Columbus around 6 in the morning on like a random weekend or weekday. I can't even remember. And we just went to campus because we couldn't check into our hotel until like three in the afternoon so I was like let's take a six-hour tour of my campus that's so cute sure, he loved it yeah but listen you i think people have a lot of pride in where they went to school sure. and she loved that so it's her birthday it's your birthday we're gonna go to catalina island on tuesday <clears throat> i love catalina 
I haven't been in years. Yeah, I've only been once or twice, I think, but it's really a lot of fun. It's yeah. like a little, it's a little gem that we have here in Southern California yeah. that not a lot of people take advantage of. Yeah, I, we for sure don't. It's going to be so beautiful. We'll definitely have some cocktails and some yummy food. Well, uh, you're the, doing Europe. I'm going to Europe, yeah. I'm so excited for you. Yeah, literally after our show tomorrow, I hop on a plane to Portugal. I'm there for about a week, and then I spend a few days in Spain, and then I'm back. Amazing. Yeah, I can't wait. It's, it's going to be beautiful. It's super, super exciting. It's a little interesting flying during COVID times because things are a lot better here in the United States, but, but they're not better everywhere. And um, luckily, I've been able to get fully vaccinated. Yeah. And, and I've got all my documentation ready to go should there be a problem. But uh, I don't anticipate any. No, there's not going to be. Uh, right now, though, it is time for some news on the beat. Michaela, take it away. All right. Well, Americans need to make a choice to avoid a looming coronavirus surge. Get vaccinated or actually follow through on safety precautions like masking and social distancing. That choice is playing out elsewhere as well. COVAX, the global vaccine sharing initiative, signed deals with two Chinese pharmaceutical companies for more than half a billion COVID-19 vaccines by the first half of next year to try to combat the spreading Delta variant. In South Korea, the health ministry is has implemented uh, an unusual gym restriction, no fast music, which it reasons can lead to rapid breathing. Back in the U.S., the FDA warned of a possible increased risk of a rare neurological complication um, to the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. The FDA says it hasn't established that the vaccine could cause the syndrome, just an increase in reports. No fast music at the gym what because is- it could increase your breathing? So random. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's so dumb. Well, we're going to have Dr. James Simmons join us in the 9 o'clock hour, uh, 12 o'clock hour if you're back east, uh, to talk about vaccines and Johnson & Johnson. I'm telling you, my I was so set on getting the J&J vaccine, and I'm so happy that I went with Pfizer because I feel like I would be panicking if... Yeah, you, you're like a lot of people, though. Like You weren't, you weren't choosing Johnson & Johnson because you're like, oh, I, I understand the science. It was one shot. Yeah, and, uh, and it's a convenience why, of it all. why a lot of people chose it, mm-hmm. and I'm glad I did not. Yeah, same, same. All right, well, let's get into a little weather. Summer's here, and it's queer, and it's brought to you by McDonald's. It's going to be a high of 91 in Kansas City, 84 in Miami, 61 in San Francisco, 108 in Phoenix, 81 in Seattle, 77 in Chicago, and a high of 88 in Sacramento. Now, at McDonald's, get a small summer treat like the new Minute Maid Strawberry Watermelon Sushi or McCafe Fraps and Smoothies for just 2 bucks. Now give us a vibe of the day, babe. How about a little Janice Joplin? Don't Uh. don't compromise yourself. You're all you've got. There is no yesterday, no tomorrow. It's all the same day. You understand that Janice Joplin is my queen. Well, there you have it. I die for Janice. There you have it. Her and Fran and Dolly. Dolly. Who else? Sophia, Loren, Barbara Streisand. Carrie Underwood. Um, Yeah, the big ones. Billie Holiday, not... Okay, coming up, now that you've ruined my life this morning, I was already starting so good. Uh, Richard Branson wore a pride flag pinned to space, but people are wondering why, and we're going to discuss coming up next. Pride month may be over, but stories of pride flags flying high uh, are still you know, all over the news, which is really great and really sad sometimes. We've got a story of a, of a young man in Arizona trying to uh, steal a pride flag hanging from a garage door that's pretty iconic. This young guy uh, is shirtless, has a pink T-shirt wrapped around his head trying to cover his face. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's wearing pink, first and foremost, uh, is more interesting because the fact that he tried to steal this pride flag from a couple of lesbians 
uh, and failed miserably is just ingenious. Um, he so he got caught on ring. You, you know those little ring things, uh, the the doorknob, whatever the video cameras. Yeah. So apparently he sneaks up, tries to steal this flag, and you see him tug, tug, tug. He's like jumping up and down trying to pull this entire flag off, and is not able to do so. Well, the lesbians got this footage, put it on TikTok. It's gone viral. And you because, go, lesbians. Well, because they had attached it on the other side. It's attached through the garage door, and it's attached on the other side through carabiners and screwed in. So you can't physically take this thing. You'd have to cut it down okay. in order to get this flag, which I think is genius because lesbians are just so crafty. Um, so their flag is still <laughs> flying high. Not nearly as high, though, as the flag that just uh, went 50 miles and broke the space barrier. Uh, we're talking about the flag on the lapel of Richard Branson, uh, the owner of Virgin Galactic. He flew to space just this week. It was a big, big story. Um, but it has us asking why. Well, I've dug a little deeper and found out that the reason he wore that flag pin was to honor the 49 lives lost in Orlando at the Pulse shooting a few years ago. Uh, this is really interesting. Apparently, somebody he knew asked him to do this. So it's part of this. Um, <clears throat> these pins were designed uh, to honor the 49. And they went 50 miles into outer space, which is kind of cool. That is so so close. I don't know. Numbers mean a lot to me. And to take the 49 plus Richard Branson to 50 miles out of space, it's kind of cool. And I initially this morning when I read this story, I was like, come on, Richard Branson. Why are you wearing a pride flag? Like, why? But then I'm kind of like, it's kind of sweet, maybe. Like, I kind of, I'm kind of okay with it. I don't feel like he's making money off of us. I feel like he might be just bringing awareness. Yeah, I think it's sweet. Was it around uh, the time? Was it around the time the anniversary of Pulse? Well, that was just recently. That was what June twelfth. Yeah, so just last month. Uh, initially, this is all part of the Orlando Ribbon Project, uh, and so these ribbons have been created, sent to over fifty states, sixty-five countries around the world. So they've really done a great job of trying to get this out there. Uh, but when Richard Branson decided to wear one to outer space, I think that's when their their message really started to take traction. Um, I think it's I, I think it's cool. I, I think it's cool too. Yeah. I initially same. I didn't know what the reason behind it sure. was. So I was making fun of him. Like, why would you wear a pride? Yeah, are you coming because, out? Like yeah. you're seventy years old, what's the point? Yeah, not because I uh don't appreciate it. I didn't know the um the importance behind it now I feel like an a-hole but well, I <laughs> well, okay but, but that's very real though because I think what happens in our community after especially a, the month of June it gets longer and longer every year it yeah. feels like it feels like less of a celebration and the more of us trying to teach people that we're humans yes do you know what I mean and so I think that the rainbow capitalism that has sort of taken over the planet yes we're leery of it and we don't know like I didn't know that Richard Branson was such an ally I didn't yeah, I didn't that. either. So that's kind of cool. Uh, oh, yeah. We've spoken to his CEO of Virgin Fest mm-hmm. and of the One Pulse Foundation and co-founder Jason Feltz, who's so lovely, follows me on Instagram. I love that guy. He was probably the one that put asked Richard to take it. to. He could have been part of it, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That actually makes perfect sense. Because, yeah, he was on our show. Remember, we were so excited to go to Outfest. Remember how Virgin, We Virgin were Fe- so Fest? excited. Is it going to happen this year still? I hope so. I wish it would. I miss, I miss all that. It all. Well, I think it's really great. I think that, you know. What would you take to outer space? If you had to take one item to outer space with you, what would it be? Lisa. No, that's not an item. That's a human. She's my item. Well, I thought you were going to say Vivian's uh, robe or something. Your dead grandmother's. 
Ew, why would I take that? Just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> Just kidding. I, would, I, mean, I don't know what I would take. I, nothing. You got to know this about me. And it's the one thing that Lisa finds fascinating. For as much of a drag queen as I am, weave, spray tan, nails, glitter. You could be like, Michaela, we're going on a trip right now. And I would bring nothing. I am the lightest packer in the entire world. Half the time, I don't even bring the things that I you need. You didn't even bring shoes to Denver. Okay. One pair of high heels that, that you wore the entire weekend. I brought my costume. Do you know how and many sweats. shoes I have packed for for Europe? Oh my God, no! At I, least a dozen pair. Really? Oh yeah. For Are sure. you a heavy packer? Uh huh. Oh my God, I'm the lightest packer. And I'm Premier One K on United, so I get up to seventy pounds per bag. Three check bags. Free. Oh no! I'm taking everything. Me and Lisa are going to Santa Barbara. I'll. Put, I could fit what I'm going to bring in a Ralph's grocery bag. But why would you do that? How would you? How do you know that? How do you? That's very specific. You've done this before. Yeah, I bring like like my little bikini and a sundress, and I'm out the door. Okay. Is so that bad? So you're not going to space anytime soon. Well, I would just bring a bikini and could. a sundress. You'd be the perfect person to invite to space. You take up yeah. no space. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I uh, I don't know. I would bring. I, I, I you're not going to space. Not going to space. You're not going to space. Well, congrats, Richard Branson. Yeah. The, would look, you go to space? Absolutely. You know a little side tea about Richard Branson though. Tell me. He was supposed to go a few weeks from now, but Jeff Bezos, he was supposed to, Blue Origin, I think, is Jeff Bezos. He was supposed to go to outer space first, and Richard Branson found out and beat him to it. Stop. Yeah. There's like a little Stop. petty, like, billionaire thing going on right now. And Elon Musk, all of them are trying. So he, wait, this yeah. is iconic. Yeah. Jeff Bezos wanted to go. He already had it planned. Had it planned. And Richard Branson moved his flight up. And Jeff Bezos is mad. Okay, but also- Because he has you- better, better windows on his flight. Okay, but can you imagine having that kind of money? money. You're like, oh, I'll beat you to space. You know what? I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna move my, my trip up. Right. That's insane. Oh yeah, yeah. All right. Well, coming up, we get to go on vacation after this week. Uh, but is the hot new LGT? Wow. Apparently, LGT? I'm on. Where am I? We're gonna find out next. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So the pandemic has changed a lot for a lot of people. Yes. Um, And one thing that has changed drastically is the way that we vacation. 
Uh, you know, I just went away this weekend to Joshua Tree, spent some time under the stars. Uh, it was gorgeous. It was 117 degrees, but what I did was called glamping, right? I uh, showered outdoors in the open. I think I was covered on three sides, so the neighbors to the one side could totally see everything, and I was okay with it. Love that for you. I uh, used basically glamorized porta potties the entire time, uh, and I did have a unit though that had air conditioning, so it wasn't fully glamping. Right, I was not in the tent, but there are yurts, Ugh. and I've gone in a tent to the same location before, uh, and this location is called um, Castle House Estate in Joshua Tree, uh, just a couple of hours outside of California or outside of Los Angeles, and. It's owned by my ex-boyfriend and his current partner. Uh, they now have three kids together. You know this man. We, we met we met working for him t- together, what, 15 years ago? Mm-hmm. And he saw years ago an opportunity, uh, not just with straight people, but within our own community, to create a resort for those who want to go camping, but maybe they're not fully ready to go all in on the camping thing. So glamping, right? It's Honestly, I might text him because Lisa, my partner, we're going to Santa Barbara for her birthday. You should. But we're doing a bunch of little activities. Text him. Uh, should I? You absolutely should. She, all she wants to do is like go to a treehouse or take like absolutely. an RV. And you I'm like, I will it. not do it. It's so fun. According to a 2021 North American camping report, though, approximately 48.1 million people camped out at least once last year. That's an increase of 6 million people in a single year. And here's the fascinating thing. More LGBTQ couples and families are camping than ever before, and these numbers are jumping astronomically. So this is really cool. Uh, So, for example, in the year 2020, uh, more than 60% of first-time campers were non-white identifying individuals, and many of which fell in the LGBTQ community. Also, uh, more LGBTQ kids kids of lgbtq uh, parents are camping now than straight of straight parents meaning that gay families are going camping and here's why a couple of things one it's a little cheaper yeah it's not as expensive as going on a trip Two, COVID happened right and people don't feel uh safe necessarily getting on airplanes or traveling so rvs and motorhomes are more popular right Mm -hmm. but for lgbtq couples the reason is to de-stress and shut down. I feel like our community in particular has been very stressed out the last couple of years. Yeah. The last few years. Yeah. Donald Trump, I think it's really, it makes sense that members of our community want to get away and just unplug. Yes. I think you should go with Lisa. You know what? It's so great. Had you told me... Uh it's funny because I was like such a very, very girly, girly tomboy growing up. But camping was like never a thing for me. And Lisa wants to like live in a tree house and she wants to like yeah. take buy an RV. Yep. But I think that this is a really great medium. Well, so you know Koa? Are you familiar with them? KOA. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've probably seen the logo. They're they're the largest group of campgrounds across the entire country. There's one in my home near my hometown. Um, and they've actually they have a new for the first time in their history, uh, their top executive is a woman. Oh, wow. And she just took over in 2020. And so she has made all sorts of initiatives to uh, bring in a different demographic, uh, minority campers, LGBTQ campers. They've actually been partnering with, um, uh, is, it two tra- is it Two Travel Dads? Is that their name? It's this gay couple, uh, and they just travel for a living, and they're incredible. And they partnered with them. Yeah, Two Travel Dads, uh, their blog. 
uh, to create content to showcase uh, what they have to offer to new people. Because traditionally, camping was like cis white people of a certain age. Totally. The baby boom generation. And apparently younger people are also camping now too. I love it. I will tell you this. I did a reality show and somehow it's been 10 years. I don't know how, but I was on a reality show on ABC 10 years ago this summer called Expedition Impossible. And I lived outdoors for an entire, almost an entire month. Yeah. We did a 400 mile expedition in the country of the kingdom of Morocco. And it was, I slept Fabulous. in the Sahara Desert. I slept in the High Atlas Mountains during a snowstorm <clears throat> after I summited them. I went kayaking in the rapids. I rode on horses. I did everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even kidding when I tell you that during that, basically we had a 50-pound backpack on in the compass. And that's how we had to navigate our way through the through the kingdom of Morocco. And the trees spoke to me. It's a lot. The rivers spoke to me. The wind spoke to me. Sounds like something out of Pocahontas. But it's genuinely real. And if you can get outside, if you can disconnect and just take some time, the planet will literally, literally tell you what you need to do in your life to find happiness and to find joy. And so if you can get camping, I think you need to take Lisa. Go camping. Yeah. And they're also dog friendly. I... So there's that. Okay, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. All right, coming up, Legally Blonde's screenwriter is shutting down a rumor in an epic way. Find out next. Welcome back to The Morning Beat. It's almost time for some What's Poppin'. But before I let Michaela take it away, I do want to remind you that our show is also a podcast. So if you're behind on episodes, maybe your schedule's all over the place, we get it. You can listen to us at your leisure or your leisure, if you will, by downloading the Odyssey app. That is A-U-D-A-C-Y. Head over to odyssey.com right now to do so. And while you're at it, please share our show with uh, your friends, family, anybody who you think might enjoy us. Uh, if you don't think they'd enjoy us, just don't, 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 don't tell them about us. Yeah, don't share. We don't, us. we don't, we don't want hate mail. No, we don't. We can't deal with it. Our, our egos are, are they're fragile. Yes, they are. Okay, it's time for what's popping, Michaela. What's popping? Okay, well, in the lead up to Legally Blonde's twentieth anniversary, um, it's. Uh, the New York Times released an oral history of the film featuring interviews with several of the people responsible for bringing it to screen. Uh, Jessica Koffel, who played Margot, one of Elwood's friends, dropped one bit of allegedly lost history about the original ending of the film. It having a decidedly more sapphic conclusion. The first ending was Elle and Vivian in Hawaii in beach chairs, drinking margaritas and holding hands. The insinuation was either they were best friends or they had gotten together romantically. So somebody posted, my heart aches for the original lesbian ending of Legally Blonde. But Max, who tweeted that, received a reply from someone named Karen McCullough stating this is not true. When Max asked McCullough to cite their source, he was shocked to realize that they were, in fact, the source, a screenwriter on the film. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Just simply not true is how they left it. 20th anniversary today. Yeah. 20 years. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She went on to, he posted a photo, Max, and Karen McCullough said, I wrote the movie. I'm in the picture you just posted. The actress (laughs) quoted was incorrect. (laughs) That's iconic. But you know what? As much as I love lesbians and being a lesbian, it would not have been a good ending. Having Vivian and Elle, it's so much more empowering. Elle giving that iconic speech, being a super empowered lawyer. I love that movie. Well, and also, doesn't she end up single in the first one? No, she ends up with... Was she um, with him with him? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was sort of insinuated the end of the I mean, it was... Ins- 
Well, it says in in the thing that they were gonna propose. To, he was gonna propose that night. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, oh, that's right. And then her and Vivian are best friends. And then Warner was out. He like yeah. barely graduated. Yeah. Okay, clearly we're all obsessed with this movie. And I need J- to Justin was like, yeah, I've I got love a lot. It. Listen, it's Lauren's favorite movie, so that's how I did so too. much. Yeah, oh. is that why she became an attorney? No, yeah, one of the reasons. Yeah, really, mm-hmm. I love that. Is I it- had a friend. She's beautiful. She's Barbie. She's full on Barbie, and she became an attorney. And she literally looks and lives her life like Elle Woods. Are you talking about Kim Kardashian? She's working on it. Oh no, this girl. Listen, I went to I've got a long flight to Europe coming up. I might have to rewatch this film. Yes, I'm, I'm sort of. I, I loved it. I I'm more of a Mean Girls guy. Oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Mean it's Girls like and same era. That's Lisa's favorite movie. My fiance is obsessed with Easy A. Another really great one. Emma Another Stone. great one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. Some good ones. Love it. All right. Well, coming up in the next hour, a school is blaming a gay student for bullying. Uh, we're going to discuss why that's so problematic next. The morning beat with AJ and Michaela. We'll be right back. Channel Q. Welcome back to The Morning Beat. It's time for another round of news on The Beat. I do want to remind you, though, that coming up this hour in about 15 minutes, we're talking about a young uh, student uh, being blamed by their school for being the bully. Uh, and we're going to we're going to dig into this conversation um, because it's important. Also, we're going to be talking to we're going to take it a step further. Uh, and then following segment, we've got our marriage and therapy, marriage and family therapist, James Gade, joining us uh, to talk about bullying in school, uh, what we need to know, how it's evolved over the years and how we can keep our children and our youth safe. Uh, right now, though, like I said, it is time for news on the beat. Michaela Gordon, what do you have for us? All right. Well, Texas uh, State House Democrats left the state yesterday in an effort to block Republicans from passing a restrictive new voting law during a special legislative session. The session was specifically called to discuss more voter restrictions after state Democrats walked out in the final hours of the regular session to quash a similar piece of legislation. Already this year, Republican-led states, including Florida, Georgia, and Iowa, have enacted restrictive new voting laws. Democrats in Congress have pushed measures that would expand access to the ballot box nationwide, but GOP opposition in the Senate has kept efforts from advancing. This afternoon, President Biden is set to give a major speech in Philadelphia on voting rights. Now, in other news, uh, in addition to voting rights, there are new developments and complications for other big Biden administration priorities. Senate Democrats unveiled a $3.7 billion proposal to supplement security funding at the Capitol and beyond following the January 6th Capitol riot. This expanded plan put forth by Senator uh, Patrick, I always get this wrong, Leahy? Yeah, perfect. Oh, thank you, God. Would also provide funding <laughs> to, help <You're> Afghan, <laughs> to help Afghan supporters of the U.S. military obtain visas as the U.S. ends its combat presence there. Meanwhile, Biden's bipartisan infrastructure bill is in danger of becoming less bipartisan. Some initial GOP backers now say they may vote against it due to misgivings about how the bill would be funded and worries the Democrats would also pass a larger version of the bill without Republican support. You know, just speaking of Biden, it reminds me of something I saw yesterday, totally off topic. Uh, Trump entering the UFC fight uh, over the weekend, and we haven't really seen any public appearances. People were cheering for him. People were losing their minds for him. And I have to be honest, I was saluting him. I was really quite sick about it and shocked. What's interesting what happened, so when George W. Bush left office and Barack Obama left office, uh, you didn't really hear from them a whole lot. And that's and that happens for a reason. 
they tried to give the following president the respect and the space that they deserve, that they've earned by oh. winning the election to do what they do. They don't challenge them publicly. It's sort of just common decency. It's right. what American presidents do when they when they leave office. Donald Trump is not that kind of person. He's just not. And at every single turn, and we'd hear a lot more about him if he were on social media again. He's finding ways to get out there and get to his people right now. I mean, UFC, I'm not saying all UFC fans are Republicans, but I mean, it's a pretty brutal, brutal sport. And so to make the jump between a MAGA supporter uh, and, and a UFC fan is not a huge gap. No, no. It makes some sense. It's not. It just, it really, I think that we... Uh, haven't heard much from Trump. We haven't seen him. So people have sort of been dying down on their support. Sure. From, I don't follow anybody. Hey, listen, that- I also think he's a monster, but he did become the president for four years. Yeah, but I don't follow anybody that yeah. voted for him. So he's just been out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. And then to see him walk in and you don't know how public the public is going to oh, react. He just won the straw poll this weekend of uh, nominees for the Republican Party at CPAC by like a gajillion points. I don't know what that means. So they take basically like a loose poll at poll at their convention to say who would you vote for in the primary, and he won by like sixty some points. Wow. So I mean, he's so gonna he'll be their nominee in twenty twenty four. For sure. He'll run against Joe Biden again. For sure. Yeah. Wild. All right. Another news: Americans need to make a choice to avoid a looming coronavirus surge. Get vaccinated or actually follow through on safety precautions like masking and social distancing. That choice is playing out elsewhere as well. COVAX, the global vaccine sharing initiative, signed deals with two Chinese pharmaceutical companies for more than half a billion COVID-19 vaccines by the first half of next year to try to combat the spreading Delta variant. In South Korea, the health ministry has implemented an unusual gym restriction. No fast music, which it reasons can lead to rapid breathing. Back in the U.S., the FDA warned of a possible increased risk of a rare neurological complication uh, to the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. The FDA says it hasn't established that the vaccine could cause this syndrome. And let's get into a little weather. Summer's here. It's queer and it's brought to you by McDonald's. It's going to be a high of 90 in Sacramento, 108 in Indio, 79 in Chicago, a high of 82 in Atlanta, and a high of 81 in Seattle. Now at McDonald's, get a small summer treat like the new Minute Maid strawberry, watermelon, slushy, or McCafe fraps and smoothies for just two bucks. Now give us a vibe of the day. Don't compromise yourself. You are all you've got. There is no yesterday, no tomorrow. It's all the same day. I love that so much. Don't compromise yourself. Uh, Now coming up, a school is blaming a gay student for being bullied. We're going to discuss in detail coming up next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, so we came across this story on LGBTQ Nation uh, that sort of has my blood boiling. There's a young uh, student uh, whose initials we're just going to say are DS, uh, who is being bullied at a school in Astoria, Queens, apparently the last couple of years. Um, Just to give you a little bit of the backstory, this kid identifies as gay um, and has uh, two fathers, gay parents, right? Uh, This child also, uh, at the age of seven, was taken from his home and put in the foster care system. And over the course of about three years, uh, from seven to 10, um, was in about 10 different foster situations. One of them uh, he was in, and he was actually had to go uh, have a malignant brain tumor removed. And his parents, those foster parents, bailed on him because it was just too much. This kid's been put through the ringer. Right. Mm-hmm. Ten years old, already identifying as gay um, and was being bullied at school, uh, called the F word, the B word, uh, being told by kids that uh, he acts like a girl uh, and that he would be damned to hell by God because of his lifestyle. OK, so that's what this kid at 10 years old has already endured. Finally found parents who can relate to gay dads who love this child and are willing to stand by um, as he goes through, you know, whatever complications come out of brain surgery. Well, one of his fathers, uh, Jason, uh, said that no matter what, this bullying continued. So here's where it gets really, really dicey for me. Mm -hmm. This young child tells his foster parents, who tell the school system, and the superintendent of the school system said, quote, Well, if DS, this child's initials, didn't talk about being gay in school, then these things wouldn't happen. They blamed the kid. They blamed a 10-year-old kid for getting bullied because he talks about being gay at school. This is in Astoria, Queens. It's a borough, but it's still New York City. I mean, here's really what my issue is. Gay, straight... He's 10. 10. The fact that these teachers and adults allowed this bullying for any reason, gay, black, feminine, brown, whatever, is disgusting. Being 10 
is so difficult. My nephew is 10. He has so many emotions. He's also like kind of sort of getting ready to hit puberty. It's like a lot of weird feelings that we share. His feelings aren't weird. He explains he feels weird feelings. And to not protect a child is just, I think, the most... Children and pets, like... If you're not the person that stands yeah. up for children and pets or women or senior citizens, yeah, any, but we're like, we're talking humans. like helpless, like yeah. 10 year olds. You're gross. To be clear, to be clear, this may have started when he was 10. He might be 12 now. So it, it but, still. but still, he's a young, young child. And to know everything he's gone through. And, you know, the school systems know what kids go through. They know if they're in foster care or not. Well, and also and also uh, kids get it. Because there are other kids there that see how he's being treated for being himself, and they will not be themselves because of it. A thousand You don't percent. know how many kids are going home and who are crying themselves to sleep at night. I can't tell you how many times I would cry myself to sleep at night as a child. I used to go to bed. Oh, my God. This is even weird to even think about. When I was about this, and I'm uh, I, sorry, I just feel for this kid a lot. I was teased a lot when I was a kid, and I used to go home, and at night I, would just, I went to Catholic school, and I would just pray, pray that I would wake up and be straight. I would just pray that God would make me stop thinking these things because I was so sure that it wasn't going to end well for me at that age. I don't know how I survived. I don't know how I'm still alive today. Um, but this young man should not be going through this. Nobody should. I don't care who you are. I don't care. It's insane to me that a school system would put the blame, the onus on a child for expressing who they are. Yeah, it's just inappropriate. It's, it's just a lot of adults not acting like adults. And I think that And the superintendent's a woman. We often think that women are our safe spaces. They're nurturing yes. and they're going to take care. I know. The whole story is just beyond odd. And it's so sad because, you know, a lot of kids go to school and that's where they're shaped. I mean, kids spend yes. a majority of their time yes. in school, five days a week, eight hours a day. And to have to wake up in the morning and go to school and know that you're about to endure eight hours of oh. being called the F word and a bitch and feminine. The, the panic of it all. The panic of it all. The anxiety I used of to it get all. Terrified to go to school. Yeah. Because, like you said, you're in school more than you're probably with your parents for most of your childhood. And you can have the best parents. Best parents. Loving. Yep. Incredible. And so my parents used to always try to give me advice when I was getting bullied. And mom mom would always tell me just ignore the kids. And I'm like, okay, awesome, mom. That doesn't really Not work. advice. And my stepdad would say, um, just punch him in the face. As a joke, he's like, just punch him. They say stupid stuff, you just punch him. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that doesn't work either. So neither of those options are actually viable, which is why it's so important to have a support system at school with teachers and administrators who are there for you because bullying is real. And we're going to talk to our marriage and family therapist, I know, in just a moment. Um, but of the impacts of actually bullying and, and not having that support from parents. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we'll be joined with uh, uh, marriage and family therapist James Gay on the impacts of bullying, how it affects you in your adulthood. Coming up next. Welcome back to The Morning Beat. If you're just now joining us, uh, we just had a conversation about a young boy in Astoria, Queens, who's being blamed by his school district uh, for his own bullying. Uh, He identifies as gay. He has two dads, a same-sex couple, Mm -hmm. and has been enduring uh, this bullying at school for a couple of years. Uh, His dad's filed a lawsuit, and the school district said, well, if he didn't talk about being gay so much, he wouldn't get bullied, placing the blame on him. Just a quick recap. 
The kid had a brain tumor removed not long ago, and for the last three years has lived in 10 different foster situations. So this same-sex couple is taking on quite a load with this one, and and they're just trying to raise him in the best way they can, standing up for him now against the school district. So we thought we'd uh, continue this conversation with our marriage and family therapist, James Gay, who's on the line. Uh, James, thank you for being here. I know you were listening in on the conversation. Uh, just your initial thoughts. Oh, it's just absolutely heartbreaking and, um, you know, enraging, quite frankly, that this still continues to happen despite all the research and resources that are available. We certainly need to do a much better job as a society as a whole. And this starts with adults, right? If it's if we're allowed or there's no consequences for verbal abuse and harassment and aggression between adults, then, you know, of course, that's going to trickle down into school systems and among youth as well. It's just so sad because I think that as we uh, grow up, you know, oftentimes we talk about our childhood traumas in therapy and we have to like figure out where the anxiety started and looking at this story live in action at 10 years old, I'm happy that it's making, you know, national news, but really this is where his trauma will start. I mean, do you put him in therapy right now, a 10 year old? You know, it really depends on the circumstances. Definitely getting extra support around, um, you know, this type of thing, including counseling can be useful. It also needs to expand, uh, you know, above and beyond just that, right? There needs to be interventions, not just for the victim, but the bully, the bystanders, you know, the adults that are there supposed to be intervening in better ways. You know, it's a systemic issue and it needs to be addressed, you know, in that way. If, If we're just you know, helping the victim, you know, oftentimes that can indicate to others that they're the problem. They're the one that needs to be fixed instead of looking at it more holistically. Well, that's an interesting, it's it's so interesting that you say it that way because it's so true because oftentimes I know the saying goes, you know, uh, those who need therapy the most are probably the ones who think they don't need therapy, right? So, (laughs) so by this child going to therapy, what is it actually really doing? Because it's going to help him in the long run, which is great. But to get to the root of the problem, how do we start having conversations uh, that open up those who might need it most to the idea of therapy? Oh, it's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, I, I, as a therapist, I'll say, of course, I believe in it. And I also recognize that therapy isn't for everyone. Now, having said that, I think a lot of us could all benefit from it. However, there's a lot of ways of doing our individual internal work, of growing, of learning, of healing, of becoming better human beings, you know, and so that can be meditation or yoga or, you know, a spiritual practice or whatever else it happens to be. But we all need to be working to improve the way that we treat each other and to create a more compassionate society. I, I agree. I couldn't agree more. I completely agree. I I feel like we often talk about it's like it's people saying, well, you're not bullied anymore. Being gay is not hard. You can get married, you know, equally. And and it's not a big deal. You don't need to have pride. And then you hear stories about 10 year olds just completely being bullied. And I, uh, I mean, 
Well, I, I'm just curious. so this started when he was about seven. He was thrown into the foster care but system. But how did so kids been, even know that young? I, I, well, their parents about they being it, gay. They learn it from their parents, and they learn it from you know. He, well, he knew he was gay. Of course, he, but yeah. I'm saying like, so, of course, they have kids ideas. know to bully and they be go to, mean. They go to church. They learn from their parents. They apparently learn from their teachers and their administrators at the school because they were not supporting this child either. So uh, let's talk about that that age range. Seven mm-hmm. years old, gets thrown into the foster care system. By the time he's 10, he's been in 10 different homes. He's had brain yeah. surgery for a malignant tumor. And now he's mm-hmm. around 10 to 12 years old and this is going on. What mm-hmm. sort of like, how long does it take to unpack something like that? Because those are some pretty formative years. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it leaves a huge imprint as all of our childhood experiences do, right? It's sort of like a, we integrate it as a model of a way of being in the world. Is it safe? Is it not? How do we protect ourselves? How do we give and receive love? And and if we're in a hostile environment for several years like this consistently, um, it's it absolutely, you know, it determines, you know, all kinds of mental health consequences for us in adulthood. And so, you know, those that are more resilient than others in these age groups, um, for whatever reason, recognize that they are not the issue, but the people around them are. So they depersonalize it. Um, they also often have an adult, an ally, just one person who believes in them and recognizes that they're being treated poorly. Um, you know, often it's about sort of, you know, all these different characteristics and qualities that allow us to recognize that these are things happening outside of us and that we are not deserving of it. Unfortunately, that's not true for everyone. And it can, you know, even as a 50 year old or, or, you know, older, um, there can be lasting implications of this kind of treatment and harassment and bullying and abandoning and, you know, all these things that this Oh, I'll tell you, listen, I'm I'm 40 years old and, and I'm almost nine years into a very, very successful relationship. I'm recently engaged, could not be more in love with my partner. And sometimes I feel yeah. in arguments, this thing come up inside of me. And I've talked about it in therapy before with my therapist, but I yeah. feel this, 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 uh, I feel like, I think it's an abandonment thing from my mm-hmm. parents and my parents getting divorced when I was young and being kind of tossed aside in, in my mind. Um, yeah. My initial reaction is, okay, well, fine. This isn't going to work. Are we done? Are we done? Is this, are we going to end? And that's sort of, and I have to work really hard not to go there. And that's right. from 30 years ago, 30 plus yeah. years ago. So this kid, I feel like he's going to be dealing with this for quite a while, yeah. unfortunately. I also just re- want to remind our listeners, um, if you're feeling alone or if you are a child, you can always contact The Trevor Project. Uh, at, go to thetrevorproject.org. You can also call The Trevor Lifeline, one 7386 There are resources. Uh, James Gay, we appreciate you and thank you for joining us. You're very welcome. Uh, coming up uh, in What's Poppin', Jennifer Lopez is back in the news and she could be headed to Broadway. We discuss next. Maybe you're a fan of Lady Gaga, maybe you're a fan of Beyonce, maybe you're a fan of J-Lo. Uh, if so, you're in luck because we've created uh, interesting, curated, specific stations just for you. Maybe you got a pool party coming up that you need to have the perfect vibes for, or maybe you got a barbecue with your friends this weekend. We've got a whole list of curated stations here at Odyssey uh, to keep the party going and to keep the fun times rolling. So head over to odyssey.com, download the Odyssey app, 
and find the station that is perfect for you. Uh, I, I would pick JLo. I do love JLo. I think she has been on fire for decades. I'm a fan of hers. Uh, she's also in what's popping today. So, Michaela Gordon, uh, what's going on with JLo? I mean, what is she not doing? JLo is just an icon. She is doing all of the things, and apparently, she's going to Broadway. J-Lo has reportedly partnered with Oracle Scion and Hollywood producer David Ellison's production outfit Skydance to develop musical projects for TV and film. The musicals will be based on the Concord Theatricals Library, which includes the Rodgers and Hammerstein catalog, uh, and will include Carousel, South Pacific, The King and I, The Sound of Music, Cinderella, Oklahoma, among others. And Jennifer Lopez said in a statement, musicals were a part of the tapestry of my childhood. We're so excited to begin our association with Skydance and Concord and reinterpreting some of the most classic musicals and bringing them to life in new ways for a new generation. I think that's so iconic. I, I mean, there's just literally nothing she has not done now. I lo- okay, so remember back in 2016, uh, she was tapped to star in Bye Bye Birdie on NBC when they were when they were just sort of I don't launching. remember that. Yeah, so they were launching their live musicals. They were all kind of the rage for a couple of years. She was supposed to do it in 2016. Then in 2019, it got pushed a second time. Uh, and there's been no, I don't think there's been an announcement about whether or not she's ever going to come back and play that role. But her in a major musical on, on primetime TV would have been awesome. Yeah. This story makes sense. Yeah. She loves musicals, and it sounds like she might be able to breathe some life into some old classics. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I really it. excited. I love her so much. I think that she is such a, a great role model for so many women and men. But 51 years old, just did Ugh, everything she wanted so to do and looking stunning while doing it. Now, coming up, speaking of Broadway, that reminds me of The Wizard of Oz, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, a classic. We have the opportunity to talk to two people uh, who have a fabulous podcast called No Place Like Home, talking all things Judy Garland and also whatever happened to the missing Ruby Slippers. Next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I don't think of Nicki Minaj. I think the little girl in the I tutu on Ellen DeGeneres Think ago. of them as so, uh, <laughs> Sophie Grace. Uh-huh. No, they were just best buds. Oh. And she's like 18 now and she has a full music career. No way. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. She's so cute. that happen? I guess if you go on Life. the Ellen show, back in the day, the Ellen show was was not the kiss of death. No, <laughs> it wasn't. here nor there. Welcome to the morning. You have a great hour coming up. Uh, here in about 15 minutes, we're talking to the co-host of a brand new podcast uh, that is really diving into uh, the ruby red slippers stolen from the iconic Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. This is a, an entire podcast mm-hmm. dedicated to this story. Uh, episode 5 drops today, and we've got the host on our show coming up in 15 minutes, so stick around for that conversation. In our final hour, uh, we're talking to Dr. James Simmons. Um, about this Johnson & Johnson warning that has people kind of shook. If you got the Johnson & Johnson vaccine or if you're considering it, considering it uh, he's going to join us uh, to talk about um, the safety of it all. Yeah. Also, we're talking about people living with HIV. Uh, 
long ago, in a, in a land far, far away, uh, HIV and AIDS were a death sentence. Not so much anymore. Uh, life expectancy for those living with HIV is no longer shorter yeah. than the average person, which yeah. is really big news. So uh, as we talk about you know, getting one step closer to a vaccine potentially for HIV, uh, we're going to check in with Dr. James Simmons on that as well. Right now, though, it is time for news on The Beat. Michaela Gordon. It's your time to shine. Amen. Uh, Okay, so Americans need to make a choice to avoid a looming coronavirus surge, get vaccinated, or actually follow through on safety precautions like masking and social distancing. That choice is playing out elsewhere as well. COVAX, the global vaccine sharing initiative, signed deals with two Chinese pharmaceutical companies for more than half a billion COVID-19 vaccines by the first half of next year to try to combat the spreading Delta variant. On South Korea, the health ministry has implemented an unusual gym restriction. No fast music, which it reasons can lead to rapid breathing. Back in the U.S., the FDA warned of a possible increased risk of a rare neurological complication uh, to the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. The FDA says it has not established that the vaccine could cause the syndrome, uh, just an increase in reports. Now, in other news, Texas State House Democrats left the state yesterday in an effort to block Republicans from passing a restrictive new voting law during a special legislative session. This session was specifically called to discuss more voter restrictions after state Democrats walked out in the final hours of the regular session to quash a similar piece of legislation. Already this year, Republican-led states, including Florida, Georgia, and Iowa, have enacted restrictive new voting laws. Democrats in Congress have pushed measures that would expand access to the ballot box nationwide, but GOP opposition in the Senate has kept efforts from advancing. This afternoon, President Biden is set to give a major speech in Philadelphia on voting rights. Now, in addition to voting rights, there are new developments uh, and some new complications for other big Biden administration priorities. Senate Democrats unveiled a $3.7 billion proposal to supplement security funding at the Capitol and beyond following the January 6th Capitol riot. This expanded plan put forth by Senator uh, Patrick Leahy would also provide funding to help Afghan supporters of the U.S. military obtain visas as the U.S. ends its combat presence there. Meanwhile, Biden's bipartisan infrastructure bill is in danger of becoming less bipartisan. Some initial GOP backers now say they may vote against it due to mis- due to its misgivings about how the bill would be funded and worries the Democrats would also pass a larger version of the bill without Republican support. Now let's get into a little weather. Uh, summer's here and it's queer and it's brought to you by McDonald's. It's going to be a high of 81 in Seattle, 82 in Atlanta, 95 in Baltimore, 79 in Chicago and 79 in Cleveland. Now at McDonald's, get a small summer treat like the new Minute Maid, strawberry, watermelon, slushy or McCafe fraps and smoothies for just two bucks. Now give us a vibe of the day. Don't compromise yourself. You're all you've got. There is no yesterday, no tomorrow. It's all the same day. It's all the same Live in the moment. I love that. All right, well, coming up, we're talking with two really incredible people who are obsessed with Judy Garland, so much so that they made a podcast about her, Nicole No Place Like Home. We're talking Judy Garland and whatever happened to those missing Roby slippers. Coming up next. The idea that there might be a place like Oz, which allowed you to be who you were, where troubles melt like lemon drops, and where expressions of emotion were okay. That was an extraordinary idea to me. And I think it was appealing to me 
well before I had the capacity to understand why. Oh my lord, if I could only go to Oz. Oh my god, this movie made me like who I am. I feel like it's made every little girl and little boy who they are, but ugh, incredible. My entire childhood, so much of my childhood was influenced by The Wizard of Oz. Into adulthood, I remember Catherine McPhee on that stage of American Idol singing oh. uh, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. It was one of the most iconic performances I've ever seen in my entire life, which is why we're super excited about our next guest. Uh, please welcome to The Morning Beat, uh, Ariel Ramshandi, uh, Ramshandani, I got it wrong, so sorry, and Sayward uh, Darby. <laughs> You're the host of No Place Like Home. Uh, C13 Originals podcast. Uh, thank you so much for being here. How thank are you? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for having us. Oh, no, we're super excited. Uh, what we didn't realize, though, is that apparently uh, there were multiple pairs of ruby red slippers, and one of them went missing, and you guys have decided to create an entire uh, conversation around this sort of investigation. Uh, what can you tell us? Uh, we thought that the story was really rich. I mean, obviously, it's like a great <laughs> a great low-stakes true crime story. Um, you know, we really did wonder where the slippers went when they disappeared from the Judy Garland Museum in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. Um, but the story also opened up all of these doors um, to tell about the Wizard of Oz and to tell about the history and culture and costumes um, and sort of go into stories about all different types of people. Um, and so that's why we were really interested in, in doing this project. Well, apparently there are some of the slippers. There's a pair in the uh, Smithsonian. Steven Spielberg owns a pair. Leo DiCaprio. Uh, how did they get their hands on these? There were some amount of ruby slippers in um, a warehouse for an auction in 1970 in Hollywood. It was sort of like after Hollywood was was really over. MGM on his last legs. Um, they're auctioning off all their stuff. He finds all these pairs of slippers, um, and he sends one to auction. That's the pair that goes to the Smithsonian. He keeps one for himself, um, which is actually the pair that Leonardo DiCaprio and Steven Spielberg now own. Um, and then he gave a pair to a friend. That's Michael Shaw's pair that was stolen. Um, and they kind of went out all into the world and, and had these had these strange experiences and became more and more valuable as, as time went on. I think it's crazy to think that there was an FBI sting operation to get these beloved ruby slippers back. Was it about money? Was it about why were these slippers taken and how did it involve the FBI? Well, we can't get into yeah. too many details yet. <laughs> Oh, well, I was just going to say, yeah, you know, um, our upcoming episodes, those are going to really get into, you know, the motivations for why the slippers were stolen and what it entailed to get them back. Um, but, you know, what we can say uh, is that money was definitely a part of it. You know, whoever stole them knew that they were valuable um, and they would have been accrued value uh, even, you know, in the in the 13 years that they were that they were missing. Um, and there were rewards offered for their return. And so money is definitely at the heart of this. But the, the fact that, you know, these things uh, are worth as much as they are in the first place has everything to do with nostalgia um, and people's connection to the Wizard of Oz and connection to, you know, its place in American history and film history. Um, and so it's kind of this combination, right, of monetary value and then this other sort of like ineffable value. Ariel, I'm kind of curious to know, you're diving into, you know, Judy Garland is LGBTQ plus community. Um, and she's sort of seen a bit of a resurgence with Renee Zellweger uh, winning Best Actress just recently for her role in Judy. Um, what 
do you guys do you guys talk about that on your podcast at all? Do you talk about the relationship with our community? Uh, and, and, and if so, what did you learn? Yeah, so in, in the episode that's coming out, um, we talk about that. Um, and it just seems like it's really interesting. It's interesting what you say about the resurgence, um, because it seemed from interviews we did, and especially that Nathaniel Frank interview, um, which you played a clip of at the top, that it's sort of cyclical, right? You know, that there was there was this real attachment to Judy in her life and after her death, and then maybe there was sort of like a distance from her, and now she's kind of, she's she's back in. Um, but I, I thought it was fascinating. You know, we, we spoke to so many people who loved the slippers, um, and it was because they were in the LGBTQ community, and they, since they had loved Judy, they had such a strong attachment to her, um, and that's really sort of like how they they became involved with the slipper story. So it, it felt like it was such an important part of, of loving Judy and, and being a fan of Judy, you know, and, and Judy's life as sort of this, this, this really complicated, complicated thing that, you know, she had so much, she was such a public person, but also such a private person. Um, and that, that people really identified with that as well as obviously um, Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz um, is just is really fascinating. Well, thank you so much. You can listen to No Place Like Home right now. Episode 5 is out today, and new episodes drop every Tuesday on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you again, and have a great day. Thank Thank you you so much. much. Find out what two girls did drunk and how it involves dumpling. Okay, so we all make choices that mm, we might make while we're a little bit intoxicated for example, that in our sober state, we would rethink. I tend to get really, really friendly, very, very happy, and very, very hungry. And I'm not the only one because apparently these two drunk girls uh, in New York City uh, came across a closed Chinese restaurant um, and they unlocked the doors uh, well, the, the power went out and the, the left the doors unlocked after midnight, right? Oh, my God. They break into this place at 12.30 a.m. And there's video of them um, asking each other if they're trespassing or not as they're in real time realizing, uh, is our hunger more important than our freedom? Uh, let's take a listen. Let me tell you something. There was a place here off of Sunset in Los Angeles where we used to party after hours. And I was literally 21 years old. Miyagi's. Yes. Of course I knew it. Of course. (laughs) And they had sushi. And one time I was so drunk. And I went into the kitchen after hours. And I tried to make anything to eat. Oh my gosh. And I literally had this moment. And I didn't do anything bad, but it was me and TJ. And we were in the kitchen. I wonder if I was there. I've been there for so many late nights over the years. Oh my God. That was the place to be. And I did the same story. 
stupid thing. Well, these girls, one of them is asking, oh, no, it's slippery in here. Am I going to ruin my Gucci shoes? <laughs> Apparently didn't matter. One made noodles. The other one made dumplings. They started making themselves food. Oh, my God. So just to clarify, there was a power surge. Yeah, so they didn't, like, that, break uh, yeah, in. Yeah, unlocked the door. So they were like, oh, it's unlocked. They just <laughs> left the restaurant open for us. Because when you're drunk, I mean, they, it is still breaking and entering. But when you're drunk, you make really bad judgments. Yeah. Um, and apparently this this uh, this restaurant has eight different chains uh, throughout the, the boroughs in New York City. And the owner, Jason Wang, is saying, listen, I'm just asking these girls to come in and stop by and pay for their dumplings because they stole dumplings. Oh, my God. I but love they, that. Did they cook them properly? Like, uh, that's what I want to know. Uh, well, did they eat raw dumplings? They only got caught because uh, he says the owner... Uh, said that his staff spotted rogue dumplings scattered throughout the kitchen <laughs> throughout the following day. Um, what kind of story? What, let's 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 just break down that conversation the next morning. Let's just play this one out. Okay, we wake up the next morning. You and I are the two girls. We're hungover as all get out. We realize. I'll just play. I'm girl number two. Um, Mick. Did we break into a, a restaurant last night? Were there no employees there? Like, what exactly happened? I have dumplings on my nightstand. What happened? Do you Are remember? Are we in trouble? Are we getting <laughs> arrested? Are we on camera? Yes! I would be wigging out. Ugh. Right? Because, like, oh, my God. Listen, we've all had the drunk panic where you wake up the next day and you're like, Oh my God! What did I do? Who saw me? What like who was there? They shoved a whole bag of dumplings in their purse. They were there for five minutes. They're efficient. Five minutes. Efficient and respectful. I know. And I'm, in Gucci shoes. I'm kind of low key impressed by this. I'm totally impressed. I love it. Listen, it's a great memory. It'll bond them for life. It's so stupid. Dumplings are about my favorite thing in the entire world to eat. Yeah, I mean, when we were kids, we called them pot stickers. Uh, but as I've grown, oh, I older, call them pot stickers too. Yeah, I've grown to understand the difference in dumplings as I've gotten older. You know, it's really interesting. So, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I don't know how every single time one of my stories can go back to the Real Housewives. Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Crystal Minkoff is um, Camp Sander. She is. I love her. She is uh, the wife of one of the creators of The Lion King, right? And she had the girls over to create dumplings one night to teach them how to do it because she's Chinese. Oh, yeah. And how to make homemade dumplings. And they made dumplings. And I kid you not, Kyle Richards probably ate, ate at least 20, 20 of, them. of them. And admit it, she was like, I think I ate all your dumplings. So good. So I can eat good. A, what's your favorite kind of dumpling? Do you like the the buns? Are you like a pork bun kind of girl? No. Are you like a pot sticker with like I'm shrimp a pot or sticker. sausage or mm-hmm. something yes, inside? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Seared or steamed? Steamed. Really? Mm-hmm. I like delicious seared because I like I like the doughy side, but I also like one side kind of crispy. But also, I like love food. Like I'm never yeah. gonna be like somebody makes an incredible bun uh, dumpling. Does <laughs> somebody randomly? I went to a restaurant. Oh, it's in Vegas. It's in Vegas. Yeah. Oh, my There's God. We used to eat them after. Oh, my God. That's what it is. Okay. I can't remember the name of the restaurant. <laughs> Literally incredible. Watching you have memories is so iconic. <laughs> you know, one time I went to years ago, um, we went to not Chinese dumplings, but we went to Japan. And we were at Tokyo Disney. And my friend, <laughs> my friend had a residency there. And I kid you not, my ex and I. Same guy that was our boss at Saddle Ranch. He, we walked around and ate every bun and every dumpling you could find in that uh, entire park, and it was incredible. Uh, incredible. Love it. I love Asian food. I love it all. Amen. And kudos to these girls. I'm kind of impressed by them. Uh, listen, I think they're really funny, and also, they were respectful. It's all in good fun. They didn't steal anything, really. 
And I love that the owner had such a good, um, you know, it's response. It's humor, yeah. yeah. All right, coming up, uh, speaking of humor, Sasha Baron Cohen is in the news, and he's suing somebody. Find out who. Coming up next. Coming up this hour on The Morning Beat, we're talking to Dr. James Simmons, one of our favorites here at The Morning Beat and throughout the Channel Q family, uh, talking about uh, vaccines, Johnson & Johnson making headlines once again, maybe not for the best reason, but maybe there actually is uh, something good uh, that's coming up on our next hour. Uh, but right now, it is almost time for what's popping. Uh, before I send it over to Michaela, though, I do want to remind you that our show is also a podcast. So if you can't listen to us in real time, don't you worry your pretty little face. You can download the odyssey app at audacy.com and listen to the morning beat as a podcast anywhere you take your mobile device now michaela what's popping okay hun well listen this is crazy sasha baron cohen cohen can we meet him one day can you make that happen for me um he's really really funny he's such an oddball i feel like he doesn't take anything serious so this is a big story he's suing a cannabis company uh, called Solar Sustainable Cannabis. Uh, it's a, a company in Massachusetts for using uh, his character Borat's face. So it's a billboard. It says the cannabis company's name, and then it has Borat with a thumbs up. And he says, this is not okay. I don't even smoke weed. I'm not interested in you guys doing this. And he's suing the company for at least $9 million in damages. That's so dumb of the company. Why would you print somebody's face? And who okayed that? Honestly, though, I feel like a town in Massachusetts, they were like, this is never going to get back to... Nobody's ever going to know. Yeah, it's like not a big deal. And now it is. What's interesting, though, is that I wonder if they tried to contact the solar cannabis company to say, hey, take it down. They refused, and now he's suing them, or yeah. he just went right after them. I bet he gave them a um, chance. I'm sure he did. And he's also, so is great. this company worth $9 million? Well, that's gonna, what I'm saying. I mean, get that? I mean, but, well, cannabis companies. I mean, that's real I money. I mean, they're making rip. Listen, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on air. Maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> It's legal here in California. Okay, so I smoked a joint. <laughs> you guys, I love smoking a joint. I've, I'm not that person, but over the weekend I did. Michaela. And I, wow, am I right? I was just <laughs> laughing. I had a really nice, I might it's do it again. It's legal for recreational use here in California and Colorado and Oregon and many states across the country. Well, I might do it again. Oh, Lord. I'm crazy these days. Uh, all right. Well, Sasha. These Co- days? <laughs> well, I've always been. Uh, well, Sasha Baron Cohen is not interested in joints and he is suing for sure. That's your what's popping. Now, coming up, Dr. James Simmons is jo- <laughs> <laughs> Dr. James Simmons joins us to talk about the medical benefits of marijuana. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he joins us to talk about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine um, and what you need to know coming up next. Welcome back to The Morning Beat coming up this hour in about 13 minutes. We're talking to James Simmons and what the health, uh, talking about the uh, Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Is it actually safe? It's back in the headlines again, not for the best reasons. Uh, and then we're also talking about HIV and it, could there be a vaccine for that on the horizon? Um, there's actually a study that's being done right now, a uh, human study in phase one. Uh, he's going to give us the latest details on that. Uh, but currently, there are some breaking news uh, in the world of entertainment, Michaela Gordon. Uh, so let's kick things off for News on the Beat with a little uh, good news. Yes. Well, the category is one for the record books. 
co-star MJ Rodriguez received an Emmy nomination for lead actress in a drama series, making her the first trans woman in history to be recognized in a lead acting category. Rodriguez was honored for her work as a house mother Bianca in the FX drama's third and final season. Despite Pose earning 11 Emmy nominations over its first two seasons, including an outstanding drama series nod in season one, not a single member of the series predominantly trans female cast had ever been recognized. However, the show's cisgender male star Billy Porter was twice nominated for lead actor in a drama series, having won in 2019. Uh, MJ Rodriguez was recently tapped to star opposite Maya Rudolph in a forthcoming still untitled comedy series for Apple TV+. Plus. What a big day for the community. That just shows why representation and visibility matters. Oh, it's got to be such a good day in the Rodriguez household. So congratulations. Congratulations. All right. In other news, uh, Texas State House Democrats left the state yesterday in an effort to block Republicans from passing a restrictive new voting law during a special legislative session. The session was specifically called to discuss more voter restrictions after state Democrats walked out in the final hours of the regular session to quash a similar piece of legislation. Already this year, Republican-led states, including Florida, Georgia, and Iowa, have enacted restrictive new voting laws. Democrats in Congress have pushed measures that would expand access to the ballot box nationwide, but GOP opposition in the Senate has kept efforts from advancing. This afternoon, President Biden is set to give a major speech in Philadelphia on voting rights. Um, All right, rounding out news on the beat this morning. Americans need to make a choice to avoid a looming coronavirus surge, uh, get vaccinated, or actually follow through on safety precautions like masking and social distancing. That choice is playing out elsewhere as well. COVAX, the global vaccine sharing initiative, signed deals with two Chinese pharmaceutical companies for more than half a billion COVID-19 vaccines by the first half of next year to try to combat the spreading Delta variant. In South Korea, the health ministry has implemented an unusual gym restriction, no fast music, which it reasons can lead to rapid breathing. Back in the U.S., the FDA warned of a possible increased risk of a rare neurological complication um, to the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. The FDA says it hasn't established that the vaccine could cause the syndrome, just an increase in reports. If you missed our conversation with Dr. James Simmons, uh, he talked in depth about what you need to know because it sounds really, really scary. And Johnson & Johnson was what I wanted to get initially for the convenience of it all. But um, how do you say the percentage is so, so low that people are dealing with any side effects? 0.008% of the people who've gotten it have had the side effects that, that we're now learning about. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's still safe, but uh, we're going we're gonna to get some details from Dr. James Simmons in just a bit. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Now let's get into a little weather. Summer's here and it's queer and it's brought to you by McDonald's. It's going to be a hot one. 79 in Seattle, 106 in Phoenix, 63 in San Francisco, 90 in Kansas City, 108 in Palm Springs, 106 in Vegas. What? 82 in LA drizzling right now currently? Drizzling? It is what it is. Drizzling. We're in a drought. We need it. All right. Well, uh, at McDonald's, get a small summer treat like the new Minute Maid strawberry watermelon slushy or McCafe fraps and smoothies for just two bucks. Now, give us a vibe of the day, please. You make a life out of what you have, not what you're missing. Focus on all the stuff that's going well in your life. Yes, I love that. All right. Well, coming up, uh, we're having a conversation with Dr. James Simmons on the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and all you need to know coming up. 
Welcome back to the Morning Beat. It's time for What the Health with Dr. James Simmons. Dr. James, thanks for being here. How are you? I am well. Good morning. Good morning to you. Uh, I feel like you're a little bit better off than, I don't know, the team over at Johnson & Johnson because they're just having a hard time getting good press with their COVID-19 vaccine. The FDA has now added a warning to their vaccine saying that it's related to a rare autoimmune disorder. Now, go back a few weeks and Johnson & Johnson seemed like uh, the best best opportunity for a lot of people. It's a single-shot and then all of a sudden we started to hear that in a very, very small number of cases, it was affecting women who were looking to get pregnant either now or down the road. We talked about that with you before. Uh, this rare autoimmune disorder uh, has people concerned. Can you please explain it? Yeah, it does have people concerned. And I, I want to um, help clarify a little bit. You know, I think the primary concern earlier on with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine was this really where rare cerebrovascular um, sinus thrombus situation that we saw in six people pop up real quick. Since then, it's not really, it doesn't seem to be uh, a large number of people who have had that. So, all right, that they sort of survived that one, if you will, Johnson & Johnson. And we've, you know, the FDA, CDC are still recommending the vaccination. And then now we have this new report about a very, very rare neurologic disorder called Guillain-Barre syndrome you're going to hear. You probably heard a lot about that yesterday. You're going to hear a lot about it more in the next coming days. Guillain-Barre. It's a really super autoimmune, we think, disorder where our body's immune system attacks nerve cells in our own body for some sort of like unknown reason. And it generally starts in the periphery, so people's feet and toes and things like that start to become numb and tingly and start to not work, and then it slowly progresses up the body. In an even rarer, so more rare set of people who get Guillain-Barre, it can also impact your breathing. Like it can start to paralyze your diaphragm, which you need to breathe. Now that's super rare, even amongst people who get Guillain-Barre syndrome. So I think the important takeaway from this is that it's about So far, they've seen 100 reports of people developing Guillain-Barre after the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. 13 million people have gotten the J&J jab here in the United States so far. So it's a very, very, very small number of individuals, and it's generally happening in men over 50 with other uh, medical conditions. That's so interesting because I, um, I, I've i said this many times. I was all for Johnson & Johnson, really just because of the um, convenience of just the one shot. I ended up going with Pfizer. I feel so thankful that I do, but I have a really dear friend that got J&J, and she's like panicking right now. I mean, what do we, what do I tell her? What do, what do people need to know if they've, they were trying to protect themselves, but they're really kind of scared now? Sure. And, and that, that feel, fear is very real. But I also, you know, I don't want anyone to ever panic ever about this. It's a super, super, super small risk. So just think about do those numbers in your head. 13 million people have gotten this. About 100 people have developed this Guillain-Barre. Most of them are men over the age of 55. And that seems to be uh, kind of the risk group with that. That's also pretty close to on par with the individuals who develop Guillain-Barre in general. Because we don't really know where Guillain-Barre comes from, but it often develops after people have been sick. So sometimes people get the flu or even, are you ready? You know where I'm going, COVID. We've seen people get COVID and then develop Guillain-Barre. So it's scary. 
almost all cases of Guillain-Barre are self-limiting, meaning about a few weeks later, you go back to normal. It, it goes away on its own. Again, very few people need to be sort of hospitalized for this for a long time, put on a ventilator, any sort of thing like that. That's super, super, super mega rare. Just, so yeah. if you have gotten the Johnson Johnson vaccine, almost all of these have happened within two weeks of getting that shot. So within the two weeks, if you start to notice some symptoms, your lower extremities in particular, your feet, your toes, things like that get really, really numb or you start to not be able to use them, definitely want to get checked out right away. Honey, I'm six foot five. My toes get numb anyways. It's, it's fine. Um, and just to, just to clarify, that is 0.0008% of those uh, who've gotten the Johnson & Johnson vaccine who've actually had this Guillain-Barre. So the, the number is so, so minuscule. Um, in, a, in a weird way, and this is just how my brain works with all of these sort of revelations coming out of Johnson and Johnson. And then we realize how small the number of people being negatively impacted actually is. In some ways, it actually makes me trust Johnson and Johnson a little bit more that they're being it feels like they're being honest. It feels like they're being upfront and releasing this data so that we can make inform, informed decisions. That That's really what they're going for. Right. Uh, Johnson and Johnson has been very clear about. Uh, they're sort of almost going the other direction uh, than than what some other drug companies will or or whatever. At least with this vaccine, they're like, listen, we are telling everyone everything about this all the time, because for lots of other medications, even some vaccines. Not to get into the whole vaccine conversation on a larger picture, but all medications have some sort of side effects, and. What you don't hear about is news reports about them every single day that a new one comes out, right? So aspirin is one of the most dangerous over-the-counter drugs in, in like all of humanity. Ibuprofen is a really dangerous over-the-counter drug. Every time we have sort of a new side effect that might be related to aspirin or ibuprofen, you don't hear about it as a headline on CNN. It doesn't make the cover of the New York Times. Things like this are making the covers because we're still... Everyone remember, we're still in yeah. uncharted territory, and this pandemic is very, very, very far from over, right? The Delta variant is a real thing. There are hot, pot, hot spots not only globally, but now in the United States. So then needing to get people vaccinated quickly is a thing, and the Johnson & Johnson is a way to do it quickly. So J&J is saying, look, we're still an option. We still think we're a really great option. I still think they're a really great option, but we need y'all to know everything that's going on with our vaccine. Well, Dr. James Simmons, we want to continue having a conversation uh, with you uh, about people living with HIV having the same early death rate uh, as everyone else. It's an interesting story, obviously something that we cover for our community and we'll discuss with you next. Welcome back to the Morning Beat. It's time for another round of What the Health with Dr. James Simmons. Dr. James, thank you for joining us once again. Uh, really exciting article, uh, again, out of LGBTQ Nation, one of our favorite resources here at Channel Q, uh, saying that people living with HIV have about the same early death rate as everyone else. Now, that was not the case for uh, quite some time in the 80s and 90s. Things have changed. Uh, what has changed? Things have changed dramatically. And I, I think we should change how we talk about this. I'm going to talk about this as that they have the same life rate as yes. everyone, right? Yes. We'll, we'll spin it. We're living, darlings. We're living. So, you know, back in the day, and there, I'm sure there are listeners uh, who are survived this and, and lived through this. I know we've talked about how we have individually uh, in the past. But getting a diagnosis of HIV in the early days was a death sentence. And it was really, really traumatic for so many people. And, you know, the inequities in the healthcare system and the homophobia and all those things in the healthcare system had had that going on for far, far, far too long. 
But then we started to come up with medications, primarily AZT in the 90s and other medications into the 2000s, where we started to see, wow, we can actually sort of keep individuals who um, are living with HIV, we can keep them living, right? These medications are working. And now we're at a place where we have medications where the side effect profile is so minimal. Some people don't have any side effects at all. They take one pill a day. And now what we're finding with the research is that these individuals who have been in care for however long and taking their medications, they're suppressing their viral load, are living statistically as long as their counterparts who do not have HIV. And this was this what makes me so excited about this is it was a big group of individuals that they analyzed. So they analyzed the rates of death of individuals from 83,000 adults, which is crazy, from 1999 to 2017, and then compared that group to a demographically similar group of people, so same age, race, health profile, et cetera, of people without HIV. And what they found is that over time, so 99 to 2000, there was about an 11% difference in death rates. And then uh, 2011 to 2017, when the meds started getting better, it dropped to 2.7%. And for those 18 to 34-year-olds, so younger folks on newer medications, it's only like a 1% difference, which is absolutely fantastic. It's incredible. Yeah, that's really amazing. I remember coming out years ago, 20 years ago now, and my mom, and understandably, I think a lot of parents probably felt this way. Her first concern was, you're going to get AIDS and die. And her second concern was, you're never going to have a family. And Mm -hmm. she said that to me. That's what she thought. I mean, but a lot of people thought. thought, I'm going to tell you something, and I feel bad now, but I remember being very little, and I thought that if I just sat on the public toilet that I could get HIV. Like, it was explained Mm. in such a way that... Swimming pools. I was afraid to go on a swimming pool as a kid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's really fascinating, too, James, because I, I remember I told my mom this years ago, and I told her many years ago, I'm like, Mom, I'm not worried about HIV anymore. I understand the science behind it now. I understand the medical advances. And I tried, and this was a really bad, but I said I would probably rather get HIV than herpes or something like that. I made a comment like that to her, which can be problematic, but I was I was trying to get the point across that it's manageable and might not show up in your life in any way, shape, or form for the duration of your life with the right medication. Um, and, and, and trying to get her to understand, like so many people, that HIV is no longer a death sentence and it doesn't even need to really negatively impact your life on a daily basis. And it and it it really can be that way for a lot of people. And of course, you know, I think it while, while we have this conversation, we also need to point out that it is not that way for so many mm, people, right? Mm-hmm. This is if you're live in a westernized culture, you have either really good nationalized health care, you know, I was talking to an individual who who lives in Australia who works really, really hard on their HIV prevention campaigns there as well as helping individuals get into care. And it's great because Australia has more or less a nationalized healthcare system that makes PrEP and their HIV meds super affordable. So, you know, we go back to, all right, if you're privileged in whatever way that means, typically financially, Mm -hmm. typically there's some race issues going on there. HIV is not a death sentence for you. But as we, you know, I said this on social media the other day, that survey that we talked about here on the show a few weeks ago, that in the seven largest cities in the United States, four in 10 trans women of color have HIV. There, there are groups out there that are still really being disproportionately impacted by, by HIV. And so what I think would be really important is now continuing the study, but then breaking it up into social demographics so we can actually see how these things play out. Because if we're now able to prove that, okay, if you're on medications, you have a 
less than 1% variance in your early death rate versus people who do not have HIV, translate, you're not dying of HIV early, right? Mm. That's the translation for that. Great. Let's make that accessible to everyone. And and I, I will say that one of the very, very, very few things that happened in the uh, positively in the last administration was a really big push towards trying to end the AIDS epidemic here in the United States. And Biden has uh, continued that and improved upon it. So the funding is there. There are organizations that are there. We're all working super, super hard to try to make this happen for communities that need it. There's just still so much more work that needs to be done. Mm. Well, we appreciate you so much, as always, for talking with us. And we'll talk to you soon, uh, Dr. James Simmons. You got it. Thanks, Morning Beat. Thank you, doctor. (laughs) Talk to you soon. Tell me something good. Well, this is good. Uh, good for same-sex couples in Israel uh, and single men as well because the Israeli high court just made way for same-sex couples to access surrogacy. This is going to take place six months from right now. Uh, and it's allowing them to work with surrogate mothers to have children in what Israeli politicians and activists say is a win for the country's LGBTQ plus community. Now, back in 2018, the country expanded surrogacy access to single women, which was a pretty big deal at the time. Uh, just last year, the court ruled that expansion, which excluded single men and same-sex couples, was unlawful. Um, so now they've actually set a date six months from now. Uh, couples are going to be able to start families through surrogacy in Israel. I think this is fantastic. That's fabulous. That's a big deal. We should follow their lead. Yes. Uh, okay, this story is amazing. Um an 87-year-old little grandma is warming the internet's heart because she just loves her trans granddaughter, Callie, so, so much that she uh, gave her her jewelry. And uh, she said, I, I want to give you this jewelry because I want you to understand that I accept you and I love you for exactly who you are. And the internet is just sobbing. And I'm going to tell you something. When I came out to my grandma Vivian, she was like 87 at the time. And I said, I love Lisa and I'm going to be with Lisa. And she was Catholic and very, very Catholic. And she said, okay. And then we got into the car, went to JCPenney. She got a crucifix, had it blessed by her priest, and gifted it to Lisa as mm. to say, like, I love you. Here's a piece of jewelry. Here's a crucifix. So this is so sweet. Grandmas are just little angel babies. They, I love grandmas. They are. I love grandparents. Uh, how about this? 40 years we've been in this fight against HIV and AIDS uh, and still no cure, right? But thanks in part to COVID-19... Among other things, uh, we could be one step closer to actually having a vaccine. Researchers at the University of Oxford in the UK have launched a phase one trial of a new vaccine that should target a range of HIV variants. There's that word again, variant, because this uh, this is also mutated over the years. Um, so this is part, it's going to, 13 different people between the ages of 18 and 65 who are currently not living with HIV uh, and are considered uh, low risk. Uh, are going to get this vaccine. Uh, it's a, it's called a mosaic vaccine, uh, which is designed to target the weakest areas of HIV in the body. This is all really, really fascinating to me. So apparently uh, what this does is uh, it doesn't, I don't want to say this the wrong way. It actually uses um, some of the DNA of HIV in your body to create a resistance as vaccines do. Uh, so just to be clear, 
they're not giving you HIV so that you can cure or stop HIV. Right. But they're giving you uh, a bit of the strain so that your body builds up a response. Mm-hmm. Then you'll get a booster shot four weeks later, and then you could be, if this works out, fully immune to HIV and AIDS. It's really great. Pretty wild stuff. It's wild. All right, well, listen, Tell Me Something Good is brought to you by McDonald's. At McDonald's, get a small summer treat like the new Minute Maid strawberry watermelon slushie or McCafe fraps and smoothies for just two bucks. We have a great show for you tomorrow. Uh, there's a new study out that's showing... If you're a gay married man, you're rich. I'm not. I'm not you married. You are making. You well. I'm not looking at you. Then. Don't ask me for money. I'm looking at the gay married men, <laughs> and uh, we love that. Our program director Brian Holt. He's married. Rich. Yes. Brian, give me money. Give me money. Brian, where's my ten thousand dollars? You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. We have a great show for you tomorrow. Thank you as always for listening. We'll see you then. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.